Hola, and welcome to Spanish Answers, a podcast that gives you unas yabitas claves as you unlock your Spanish language adventure. I'm your host, Sarah, with Language Answers, and today in episode 94, we'll be talking about superlatives. So, how do you tell someone that their food is the best? Or explain to your friend how very, very cool your teacher is. Today's episode is the first in a two-part series on Spanish superlatives. First, we will talk about relative superlatives. And in the next episode, we'll talk about absolute superlatives. Whew, try saying that multiple times. And of course, we can't forget about our cultural tip on Paraguay, where we go over their national holidays. So, let's begin! So what is a superlative? This is when you want to say that something or someone is the best in a group or that it, he, or she has the highest level of whatever characteristic or quality you are describing. So when you say that your Aunt Kathy is the best cook in the world, you are using a superlative to describe her cooking skills. Or if you want to say that your Uncle Bob is not only funny, but hilarious, you are using superlative to convey that he is top-notch funny. So what is an absolute superlative? If you're intermediate or advanced in your Spanish studies, you've probably heard numerous examples of an absolute superlative. The famous isimos, such as buenísimo, fresquísimo, or calentísimo. These are all used in Spanish to show that something or someone has an extreme amount of skill or a very high level of a quality or characteristic. The key here is that you are not directly comparing your subject to anything or anyone else. But we will talk more about this in our next episode. So what is a relative superlative? A relative superlative is where you do make a direct comparison between your subject and someone or something else. You are claiming that the person or thing you are talking about has the most of, or the least of, a given quality, trait, or skill. In English, we do this by using words like best, worst, smallest, biggest, or by adding the suffix est to a word, like slowest, fastest, etc. Relative superlatives are further divided into two categories, regular and irregular. Regular superlatives follow the following basic formula. Subject plus the verb ser plus definite article plus más o menos plus adjective. So you are always comparing if someone has the most or least of a quality. Hence the más o menos. If you need to add more context for the comparison, you can also add a noun after the definite article and the group you're comparing at the end. Take a look at the following examples and see how they follow this formula. Subject plus ser plus definite article, maybe plus a contextual noun, plus más o menos, plus an adjective, and then maybe plus the group. So, he is the tallest in his peer group. Él es el más alto de su grupo de pares. Él es is the subject, plus the verb ser. Él is the definite article, más alto, the adjective, de su grupo de pares, the group. So he is the tallest in his peer group. Él es el más alto de su grupo de pares. She is the fastest runner I have ever seen. Ella es la corredora más rápida que existe. Ella es, subject plus the verb ser, la, definite article, corredora, contextual noun, más rápida, adjective, que existe. She is the fastest runner I have ever seen. Ella es la corredora más rápida que existe. They are the slowest drivers on the road. Ellos son los conductores más lentos del camino. Ellos son, subject and ser, los, 
definite article, conductores, contextual noun, más lentos, adjective, del camino, the group. They are the slowest drivers on the road. Ellos son los conductores más lentos del camino. Danny is the smartest boy at school. Danny es el chico más inteligente de la escuela. Danny es, subject plus ser, el, definite article, chico, contextual noun, más inteligente, adjective, de la escuela, the group. Danny is the smartest boy at school. Danny es el chico más inteligente de la escuela. Note how the definite article must agree with the subject's gender and number. Also, sometimes you can leave off the adjective if it's quite evident what you're referring to, mainly if it's already been mentioned or been made very clear. Such as, My sisters are the most responsible ones in the family. My brother is the least. Mis hermanas son las más responsables de la familia. Mi hermano es el menos. See, in this case, you don't need to add de la familia. One other note. You can also use this formula with the neuter article to create phrases like the most important thing or the smartest thing to do, etc. We've talked about the neuter article before in episodes 56 and 57 with the Spanish lo, so check those out if you haven't already. Now, let's talk about irregular superlatives. These are basically all of the remaining superlatives that don't follow the regular pattern. That's because they essentially combine the más o menos plus the adjective into one superlative adjective. So the rule structure looks like this. Subject plus the verb ser plus definite article plus superlative adjective. So instead of using definite article plus más o menos plus adjective, you use definite article plus superlative adjective. It sounds a little confusing, but trust me, it's not. In English, this is when we use words like best, worst, youngest, eldest, etc. In Spanish, I've mainly seen these four irregular superlatives. That's right, just four. Menor, when you're talking about a young, the youngest or the smallest. Mayor, when you're talking about the oldest or the biggest. Mejor, when you're talking about the best. And peor, when you're talking about the worst. Now, ThoughtCo has an article that mentions two others, pesimo and maximo, as the alternate superlatives of malo and grande. And while this was the first time I had ever heard of these two, the Diccionario de la Lengua Española by the Real Academia Española the RAE, it supports this usage and classification. So here are some examples of the irregular superlatives. My sister is the youngest in her family. Mi hermana es la menor de su familia. Mi hermana es, subject plus verb, la, definite article, menor, superlative adjective, de su familia. My sister is the youngest in her family. Mi hermana es la menor de su familia. I am the eldest in my family. Soy el mayor de mi familia. Soy is the subject and the verb ser combined, right? Soy. El, definite article, mayor, superlative adjective, de mi familia. I am the eldest in my family. Soy el mayor de mi familia. She is the worst teacher. Ella es la peor maestra. Ella es, subject plus ser, la, definite article, peor, superlative adjective, maestra. She is the worst teacher. Ella es la peor maestra. He is the best runner on the team. Él es el mejor corredor del equipo. Él es, subject plus ser, el, definite article, mejor, superlative adjective, corredor del equipo. He is the best runner on the team. 
Él es el mejor corredor del equipo. These chairs are the smallest ones. Estas sillas son las menores. Estas sillas son, subject plus ser, las, definite article, menores, superlative adjective. These chairs are the smallest ones. Estas sillas son las menores. Our house is the biggest house on the block. Nuestra casa es la mayor de la cuadra. Nuestra casa es, subject plus ser, la, definite article, mayor, superlative adjective, de la cuadra, the contextual group. Our house is the biggest house on the block. Nuestra casa es la mayor de la cuadra. So, a few things to note here is that the superlative adjectives, generally the only time they'll change is when you have a greater quantity, right? So it's menor or menores, mayor or mayores. They don't change whether the subject is masculine or feminine. Now, the only time that would change is with those extra superlatives, the pésimo and máximo. In those cases, they will change if it's máxima or pésima, right, for feminine, and máximo or pésimo for masculine. But the other irregulars, they only change based on the number of the subject. Another thing is that Daniela Sanchez notes in her blog article on superlatives that while it's not grammatically correct, you'll still hear people treating grande, joven, and pequeño as regular superlatives, meaning they would say, these chairs are the smallest ones, as estas sillas son las más pequeñas, or our house is the biggest house on the block, as nuestra casa es la más grande de la cuadra. So what do you think? Is that the case? Or does common usage make it grammatically correct? Please let me know or send your questions and thoughts to contact at languageanswers.com. All right, so today's cultural tip highlights the national holidays of Paraguay. To save on time and to avoid extreme repetitiveness, here's a quick list of holidays that, that many other countries also celebrate and or which we have covered in previous episodes. So I won't get into too much detail for these ones. For example, New Year's Day is always January 1st. There's Holy Week, which begins with Maundy Thursday and Good Friday on, on April 6th and April 7th. And, you know, it culminates in Easter Sunday on April 9th. Labor Day which is always May 1st, and it's also known as International Workers' Day or Dia de los Trabajadores. And there's Day of the Immaculate Conception, which is always December 8th. But in Paraguay, they call it the Virgin of Cacupe Day. And then Christmas Day is always December 25th, also known as La Navidad. Now, let's talk about the six unique holidays that Paraguay celebrates. First is Day of Heroes, a.k.a. Dia Nacional de los Héroes which is always March 1st. This day honors the Paraguayan men who died fighting in the War of the Triple Alliance against Argentina, Brazil, and Uruguay. The main hero it highlights is the former president, Marshal Francisco Solano López, as March 1st is the day he died in the Battle of Cerro Corá, the last battle of the war. The second is Independence Day, a.k.a. Dia de la Independencia Nacional, which is always May 14th through the 15th. These two dates commemorate Paraguay's independence from Spain and Argentina. Both were vying for power of the area in 1811, becoming the second, after the USA, independent nation in the New World. 
Spain's power and influence was waning at this time due to the Napoleonic Wars, Argentina's growing influence, and bad local political decisions made by the local governor. The Paraguayans overthrew the Spanish, led by lawyer Dr. José Gaspar Rodríguez de Francia, on May 14, 1811, and declared their independence the next day. Gaspar Rodríguez then became the country's first president and ruled for quite a while, from 1814 to 1840. That's 26 years. He also helped with the Paraguayan flag, which is the only national flag in the whole world that has different images based on which side of the flag you are looking at. On one side is the treasury seal and country motto, Paz y Justicia, and on the other is the country's coat of arms. Pretty cool. On this day, people celebrate the sacrifices their ancestors made for independence while also celebrating their cultural heritage and national pride. You may see many people wearing traditional garb or eating in traditional food, such as sopa paraguaya, which is actually a cornbread dish and not a soup. And of course, I found a recipe, so check it out in the show note links. Now, just like with our American Independence Day, families and friends get together to celebrate with food, music, and fun. The third holiday is Dia de la Patria and Mother's Day, which is May 15th, part of those Independent Day celebrations. It's the second day of Paraguay's Independence Day celebrations, but it's also Paraguay's Mother's Day. It's a little different than the normal Mother's Day in that it honors Juana Maria de Lara de Diaz de, Diaz de Bedoya, who was instrumental in the Paraguayan Rebellion. To learn more about her, check out the article by the Real Academia de Historia, which I've included the link in the show notes. Number four, Dia de la Paz del Chaco, or Chaco Armistice Day, which is always on June, celebrated on June 12th. This day celebrates the end of the Chaco War in 1935 with a ceasefire between Paraguay and Bolivia. Both countries fought for control of the strategic and potentially lucrative area known as Gran Chaco. That being said, Bolivia and Paraguay didn't sign an official agreement with agreed-upon borders until 2009. Number five is the founding of Asuncion, which is always celebrated on August 15th. This holiday is pretty self-explanatory, as it's the celebration of the founding of Paraguay's capital, Asuncion, on August 15th, 1537. It is one of the oldest cities in South America. It began with a search for a missing explorer in 1537. Juan de Salazar y Espinosa set up camp on the Paraguay River while they searched and apparently liked the area so much he began a settlement on August 15th. Its original name is quite a mouthful, Nuestra Señora Santa Maria de la Asunción, in honor of the Feast of the Assumption that is celebrated on August 15th in Catholicism. I'm glad they shortened it. And last but certainly not least is number six, Boquerón Battle Victory Day, always celebrated on September 29th. The Battle of Boquerón was the first major battle in the Chaco War. In fact, it was the first official attack that began the war on September 7, 1932. Paraguay attacked the Bolivian outpost, outpost 14, 14 Boquerón. This turned into a 20-day siege and eventual victory for Paraguay on the 29th. Nuestra Estrella de Esperanza. Hoy vamos a seguir con Juan 1 y con los versos 5 hasta 8. Este es el mensaje que hemos oído de él y os anunciamos. Dios es luz y no hay ningunas tinieblas en él. 
Si decimos que tenemos comunión con Él y andamos en tinieblas, mentimos y no practicamos la verdad. Pero si andamos en luz, como Él está en luz, tenemos comunión unos con otros y la sangre de Jesucristo su Hijo nos limpia de todo pecado. Si decimos que no tenemos pecado, nos engañamos a nosotros mismos y la verdad no está en nosotros. All right, and that is all for today. So to my listeners in the U.S., have a wonderful Thanksgiving. May it be full of good food, loved ones, and gratefulness for the year's blessings. If you want some Thanksgiving songs to get you in the mood, check out the Thanksgiving surprise section of episode 63. Thank you so much for listening today, and don't forget to check out the show notes for links to the resources used for this episode. If you would prefer to read an approximate transcription of today's episode, you can also visit the episode's blog. I would love to help you on your Spanish journey. So if you have any questions about today's episode or even just on Spanish culture or grammar, you can reach me at contact at languageanswers.com or visit my website for more information. I can also be contacted regarding my services for Spanish to English translation, English technical writing, editing, and content creation, or even language consultations and tutoring for you or your business. Remember, learning a language is a lifelong journey. So please, aprovechalo, disfrútalo, y compártelo. ¡Hasta luego! Thank you.